Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on February 24th. And Brendan, Brendan. Yes. The Chicago Cubs play an organized baseball game tomorrow. Can you believe it? The first game of many more up until hopefully through October, Corey. Are you ready for this? Are you mentally ready for this many games? No. Neither am I. (laughs) It has not dawned on me that this is happening. Like, we're already here. It feels, it always takes me a, a few weeks to get that sunk in that we're playing baseball every day, but it is here, Corey. Yeah, spring training is a is an interesting time, I think, as a fan, because at least for me, I get really excited like a little as the players start trickling in, you know, we start getting the the social team is in Mesa, the beat reporters are in Mesa, the players start showing up, there's that like early excitement, right? Then it kind of dips down a little bit. It's like, okay, you know, we know they're doing BP, we've seen them in the the complex, et cetera. Yeah. And then, like, it'll ratchet up again this weekend. They're playing games. They're playing real baseball. Like, you, t- you can turn on Marquee or, or wherever the games are and, like, hey, there's baseball. They're playing baseball. There's a broadcast and everything. And then it dips down again where it's like, okay, you know, we're still doing Cactus League games. Like, get on with it. You know what I mean? Um, so, I'm I, for now, I'm excited to be in that early portion where I'm really jazzed that there's just uh, some form of mm-hmm. organized baseball, uh, whether it counts or not. Well, this is the first spring in many years that the Cubs have been really kind of revamped this much to this degree, and also the first normal spring. Like, we had COVID, we had the yeah. lockouts, and it's been weird. So, this is, like, I feel as if we have not had this stretch this like hype leading up to the first spring game in many, many years. I cannot even remember being excited about like spring training starting, Corey. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely got a, a different feel to it. The team obviously has a, a very new look to it, um, which is a, a really funny segue into like the first thing that I wanted to ask you, which was if you saw Dexter Fowler in <laughs> camp today. <laughs> They have a new look, new brand, really getting away from that old Anyway, back to 2016. let's talk about Dexter Fowler. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I saw the warm embrace by Dex and Ross. Got me a little bit emotional, Corey. Like, that was quite the hug those two shared. Uh, Yeah, and I, you know, I'm wondering, Brendan, do you you think that those two have ever hugged before? Any particular time come to mind for you? You know, I was I was thinking about this, and I I did look up some of their former games together, mm-hmm. and they 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 hugged similarly in the World Series, Corey. I don't know if you knew that, right? Yep. Yeah, it was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, right. There was an important game too. Yeah, they both actually, if you can believe this, Brendan, both of them homer in Game Seven of the 2016 World Series as yeah, members the of the won. Chicago Cubs. And the Cubs do win that, that game, won. and thus 20, the World Series. Yeah, 2016. World Series champion. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, But, you know, as we talked about when he 
announced that he was going to be with Marquis. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just excited to see him there. You know, there, there's been a lot of personalities on Marquis and the various networks covering the Cubs and, and things like that. But Dex is just one that I, I just love seeing him in general and like especially in the context of the Cubs and I'm, I'm just really looking forward to to what he's going to bring and just having him around he's he's a guy that uh not not just on the field I think especially on the field as we kind of noted when we were talking about his presence at leadoff and things like that um but just have missed him in general since he since he left uh after 2016 you know so it was it was cool to just see him back and reminisce on that. And I look forward to uh, all the coverage that he's going to provide. But getting back to the first game tomorrow, Saturday, the 25th, uh, it will be the Cubs and the San Francisco Giants kicking off the spring training schedule. And we do have, like, this is how you know you're in, like, it's almost time for the real baseball season, right? It's really close, Brendan, because we have probable pitchers. And it will be Marcus Stroman getting the ball to open. And then the only other thing that I believe we know as of this time that you and I are recording this, Brendan, Adrian Sampson will follow. So mm. those are the two pitchers we know to expect on Saturday. But just, you know, seeing a game on the schedule in my MLB app, like I know. pitchers, like we, we know who's starting, who's getting the ball. It's, it's here. Baseball is back, uh, even if these games don't count. They're back. You know, I use iCal. I have a MacBook, you know, iPhone, all that, right? And so I have the uh, feed of the Cubs schedule already loaded. Like, I never turn it off, even during the offseason. So when I saw, like, you know, the week change, I saw all these blue boxes on my iCal. I'm like, oh my God, baseball is back. Stroman, Samson, we'll be getting into some pitch data, hopefully, with Samson. I believe... I think this is accurate. I'll have to double check, but I believe that the Stackhouse data will be made available by the spring training parks. Which, if that's the case, like we're we're going to have a field day. This will be the most fun spring you and I have ever had. Why is it fun for me? I, I know why that's fun for you. Because <laughs> you you get to you get to listen and you know give your feedback, which is always positive and informative. Right. Okay. Um, all the graphs we can make, you know, I can send you them, you know? Uh, yes, I, I guess I look forward to that. It means that baseball's in full swing. And, um, if you're providing information that, you know, is, uh, representative that the Cubs are doing better or doing things better, I guess I'll get excited for that. Um, in this game, let's talk about Saturday in the context of, it's the first outing for these guys uh, against live competition that is not also on the Chicago Cubs or with the Chicago Cubs organization. Um, but I, I assume with Stroman, there's little to look for at this point, right? Like we kind of know who he is, what he's about, the stuff he's bringing on the mound. You just want him to be healthy um, and getting a, a feel for his pitches. As far as Adrian Sampson, though, I think it's a little more interesting. Um, some of the early reports out of camp were that he was already sitting 91 to 93 with his fastball, which would certainly be interesting just relative to his career and, and where that would maybe imply he could get by the end of the spring. Uh, but also, he's one of those guys who's competing potentially for that fifth spot and whose role is less certain, uh, obviously, than Marcus Stroman's. So yeah. first start, we, we always caution you don't want to read too much into this stuff um, because as we've talked about a lot, right? Like Adrian Sampson could go out there on Saturday and say, I'm only throwing fastballs up in the zone because that's what I want to work on. So the results are tough to read into, but these are the probables we have. Anything on your mind as you're watching this game on Saturday? Yeah, well, Marcus, as you said, I don't think he's going to change much, but there was a stretch last season where he was experimenting with that four-seam fastball and using that as his dominant pitch type. So I don't expect that to happen again, given that he went through that elongated process, but maybe he comes back and returns to the idea and still tries to test it out or change sequencing with that pitch. That's one area to look for. But for Marcus, it's just getting 
in the groove. Even last season, because of the lockout, he was not able to ramp up at his expected rate within the Cubs' uh, system. Now, he's always ready to pitch, but under the tutelage of like Tommy Hadovy, Moscos, he didn't have that type of uh, preemptive um, ramp up for the season. So I'm curious what that looks like. Just in general, this will be his first full spring with the Cubs. And maybe there is something that they work on or that he uncovers that's unexpected and will be able to pick it up. But from the first start, I expect to see a lot of sinkers, a lot of sliders. Maybe he throws, what, you know, 40, 50 pitches, and that will be it. Yeah, and so, you know, with Stroman, obviously this does not mean that he is going to start on opening day at Wrigley Field, but it, you know, does allow him to potentially be on that track of, you know, getting all of his work in and settled for that date as spring rolls on. So we do not have an opening day starter yet. Um, It was probably, at least my guess, and I think most people's guess, going to be Marcus Stroman and, you know, him getting out there right away uh, certainly isn't going to make that potential less. So uh, if you are interested in that, you know, he's at least on track, I guess, for that, if that is what David Ross eventually wants to do. So uh, I wanted to ask you, Brendan, you know, just a lot going on in spring. We, we've talked about a lot of this, um, you know, Saya looking bulky and bigger. Um, I think he hit some blasts when they were doing live BP today. Cody Bellinger looking good, uh, taking Drew Smiley deep in uh, live BP on Thursday. Um, we also... I think the day after you and I recorded last week with our guy Ryan Herrera, um, the Cubs added Enwin Rios, uh, formerly of the Dodgers organization, to part of their um, you know potential depth at third base, depending on how that all plays out. Uh, so just wanted to throw kind of a general one to you, like you know we've had a, a week to kind of take in spring content and and everything going on anything standing out to you anything of of real interest to you as you're kind of getting these reports from uh folks like our guy ryan out in mesa yeah you know ryan and i have been talking quite frequently just about different interviews he's carrying out and what coaches are telling him what players are telling him so i get like a behind the curtain look of what ryan's writing and he has multiple stories he's working on but the overall vibe seems to be so of course, and unsurprising, like uplifting, but so like experimental. Like you're hearing so many guys try out different things. We're hearing about guys maybe trying different like gyro-esque sliders. Uh, guys, of course, like Tyone is implementing new sliders, sweeping sliders. So that's been fun to see. And then the Rios pick up and imagining what that would do to the positional group, imagining what that would do for McKinstry and Morell and Mastroboni. You can kind of let your mind get lost in all the different trends to follow. So for me, if I'm going to focus down on like the most significant trend that I am most interested in seeing is what they do with that third base spot and what they do with specifically Christopher Merrill. And the guys talked about this on the Thursday show. Uh, But for me, I want to see what Ross does from the get-go with Morell, and I don't know what to expect. I think the Rio signing makes sense because he's that big lefty hitter, massive power. He complements, in theory, Patrick Wisdom well. Rios can hit high pitches well. He's a career weight on base average of 334, a WRC plus of 112. Granted, this is all in very, very small sample sizes on a per season basis since 2019, but he's kind of like your opposite handed version of Patrick Wisdom. What does that look like? Does he play third base more uh, than we think? Does he ultimately DH more and Morel instead plays more third base for that defensive um, uh, boost for this team? That's what I'm looking for. And I hope that we do see Morel get the majority of the innings when Wisdom's not out there. That might be something you're not going to get into, but I think... Morell has such a good opportunity, and I think he has such a high ceiling that I hope the Cubs do take advantage of that. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is going to be interesting, ultimately, who makes the roster. And I think uh, David Ross had a quote on Thursday afternoon talking about um, how just because somebody doesn't, you know, breaking camp with the roster isn't the be-all, end-all, you know? Um, because I, yeah, yeah. it takes more than 26 guys to get through a season and be successful. And so, uh, it's, it's not, it, the battle isn't over immediately, you know, just following camp and, and heading to Wrigley, uh, to play the Brewers at the end of March here. So I, I think it's easily the most interesting positional battle that, that the Cubs have. I think a lot of those other positions are pretty defined. You, you have a couple where you might not see the same person out there every day, maybe thinking catcher, um, you know, Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini at first base. But the rest of the positions, you, you kind of have an idea of who you can expect to be out there the vast majority of the time, um, you know, until they kind of evaluate things, obviously. Third is one where I have no idea who's there on opening day. I have no yeah. idea what they're doing on a daily basis um, or what that bench looks like relative to the position. You know, how many guys they're carrying to be a part of a platoon there or where they're envisioning all these guys playing. I, I think they have the opportunity, depending on how they break it all up, to, you know, have a, a nice mix of players with different skills, right? Um, and, you know, that would give David Ross the opportunity to mix and match things based on a lot of things. You know, you mentioned um, the ability of some players to hit pitches up in the zone. You know, some players are better at hitting pitches lower in the zone. You're going to have guys in this group who hit velocity, who hit uh, off-speed stuff. You know, then you're getting into all of the handedness breakdowns. So th- there, sh- there should be a lot of potential there. It does kind of get into what, you know, you and I have talked about a lot with Christopher Morell. Like, I think of all the people we'd like to see get some real runway there and see if he can kind of develop into an everyday third baseman, it would be Morell. I I don't know how confident I am that he's going to get that opportunity um, just with this kind of crowd of It seems players. like he won't. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and, and we haven't even really mentioned it, but like, you know, I'm, you're still getting footage of Nick Madrigal fielding balls at third base every day. So, um, you were so hung up on that. I get it, but like, oh, no, I, I'm not even saying it from every episode. I'm saying he's in that mix, like, I, I, clearly, I right? I know. I think yeah. you mentioned Madrigal at third base every episode for the past month and a half. Well, we're talking, I'm, I'm worried about it, Brendan. I'm not going to lie. I, it, I mean, it feels, I can tell. We've seen this stuff in the past where, Ross or the front office or someone is dead set on trying something at a certain position, and they usually wait too long until. They, I think he gets traded in during the spring. It's possible, I, you know. I and there feeling. are some people who believe that that's why they keep doing this. And Ross is talking up his throws and all that other stuff. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. Uh, but it all, you know, speaking back to Morell, and you know, like you said, uh, Cody and 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 Luke specifically talked about this on the Thursday episode of the CHGO Cubs podcast, which you can catch in your podcast feed or on YouTube. Um, you know, I would like to see him get that shot. I think he's got, you know, the highest ceiling um, if he were able to put it all together and, and be an everyday kind of guy. Last year, of course, you know, you had that quote from David Ross about really liking Christopher Morell as a utility guy and kind of a really versatile weapon that plays anywhere they need him. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it. You know, one more thing on, on Rios, though, um, you know, looking at like his spray charts and just his general ability. Uh, I think he is going to be a guy who, you know, I I think if they can find a way to shave down that K rate a little bit, right, um, he can go to the opposite field into that left center alley, which we have seen, of course, watching so many games at Wrigley Field. If you can hit the ball there with some power, you can run into a lot of home runs on a lot of days mm. at Wrigley Field. So if they are able to kind of unlock a little bit there, uh, I do think that this match, you know, the Cubs and Edwin Rios and, and being able to play at Wrigley Field the vast majority of the time, I think it could be a, a good pairing, though like many other people have said, and I think they said this about Cody Bellinger too, you know, he, he didn't have an opportunity to play all the time in LA, which certainly makes things difficult. But, you know, if LA couldn't figure it out, 
how much confidence do we have, right? That's that's the question that apparently now we have a couple of, of players to find out what that answer is uh, with the Cubs this year. Yeah, it's important to remember, I think, when we talk about this too, Rios only has slightly more than 200 career plate appearances. Morel has all, like twice as many. He had, he had 425 plate appearances last year, Christopher Morel, and he had a 322 Woba. That's like almost... Rios's career rate and Morel did that almost on like an every three to four game basis last season with defensive versatility so I'm a little like my fear in addition to magical my fear is that the Cubs aren't aggressive with Morel to a fault they've done this in the past granted different front office hierarchy different coaching staff it's a different era but I'm I'm always thinking like about that last era and what kind of went wrong at times. And I feel we we always talked about this for years, that there were times when the Cubs tried to optimize the matchups with the with the young guys. And that came at a cost, perhaps, of development. It cost Hap defensive value. It cost him defensive development. You know, a few weeks ago, he said like the reason that he was able to develop into that quality defender was because he had that consistent time. Didn't have to shuttle between second base and center field and even play first base at times when Rizzo went down. Like that that idea of him being out there almost on a daily basis let him just adapt faster. And with Morel, because he already has the base of success, he had, again, a 322 weighted on base average. He has 99th percentile arm strength. He has the athleticism that jump off the charts. And he has this career trajectory that screams rapid adjustments to me I want to see that rapid adjustment phase continue. I don't want to see it slow down for for Rios if he starts to uh, you know struggle a little bit out of the gate. I don't want that. I I I, I feel pretty strongly. You know, I may change my mind about this, but if it were up to me right now, like I'm giving Morel 80% chance of the playing time at third base. Figure mm-hmm. out what you do with Wisdom. Figure out what you do with Rios. But for me. I see the ceiling there. I, I I see Morel's ability to adjust fast, and I don't want this opportunity wasted for Edwin Rios. If Morel starts to struggle a little bit, let him go through those growing pains. Sure. He was able to succeed so so much in the early going last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you uh, for sure. I I do think you know at the very least, like Rios is only 28 years old. Um, you know, formerly very touted prospect. So I don't I don't think it's. Uh, I I think if they were able to feel that they let's say, unlock something in him or felt confident about it. I don't think it's a waste of time, right? Like, I think that would be a valuable thing if, if you were able to figure it out. But I'm obviously with you. Christopher Morales yeah. 23 and just has in, insane potential, I think, if he's able to put this we all can, together. And we can the, talk the, about that, too, With before I cut you off there. But, like, you know, if you want to give Rios that shot, it's not a, uh, you know, exclusive situation here. You, you can always— you, well, you have first base too, right? right? So, you know, we have Eric Hosmer who might just be wasting breathing room. No offense to Eric Hosmer, right? But, like, you do have that potential if you're truly invested in a Rios. The, the, the question might be, all right, do you play Hosmer or do you play Christopher Morel? I think that's a pretty obvious answer. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be a, a good you know, you obviously want everybody to be successful, but it's not, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you reach a point where you have. Uh, multiple guys that you would like to phase out veterans in place of, right? Like that yeah. would be fine. Um, the the only other thing that I was going to mention, and then we'll jump into our first ad break here, is that all of the guys, at least if we're talking about the four that we mentioned for playing time at third base, Rios, uh, Morel, Wisdom, Madrigal, they all have MILB options. Uh, yeah different number for each of them. Uh, so you'd have to be mindful of how you wanted to do that. Uh, but you do have the ability to start any or all of them in AAA if you'd like them to 
work on something in particular, save space on the roster, things like that. Like you do have the ability to move these guys around if you want to. So Jed, you know, does have uh, some decisions to make. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, we talk so much about, you know, like when we talk about Marcus Stroman pitching on Saturday, right? Like it, it really makes, as long as he's healthy, his, you know, the data looks good, all the underlying stuff is is in line. It does not matter what happens in these games, right? He could get, you know, g- give up tanks every day in, in the Cactus League. Doesn't matter, right? No one cares, and you shouldn't bat an eye. You shouldn't care. This positional battle, though, like, each of these guys is going to be under a, a pretty decent amount of scrutiny. The Cubs front office may have a particular path that they would like to go on, and maybe only something extreme would have them deviate from that. Uh, but it is interesting to have a positional battle where, you know, I at this point, I couldn't tell you what is the deciding factor in how they're going to go about divvying up playing time yeah. at third base. And so that's not to say that, you know, it's all in the spring training numbers or, or anything like that. But, I, you know, at this point, like, I'm not sure what else they're looking at. It's going to be how they perform against live pitching and, and other teams pitching and what they're seeing in these, uh, you know, workouts and stuff like that, which is going to be hard for us as, as fans to really kind of get a gauge on. All right. First ad break from our sponsor, DraftKings. You guys know we are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Baseball is right around the corner. We have spring training games we're talking about. Opening day is like a month away. You can bet those games. You can bet 162 games on DraftKings. You know that if Dansby Swanson or Nico Horner go back-to-back, in the first week, you know, I may put a bet down for the Cubs to win the World Series. We'll see how uh, amped up I am. You can download the app now. Use code, again, CHGO when you sign up. If you are a new customer, you can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official and official sports betting partner of the NBA as well with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Second break here. From our sponsor, Goose Island Beer Company, CHGO is supported by Goose Island. It's been Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a deep beer roster. They have the Bourbon County Stout. They have the Beer Hug IPA series, the Green Line, the Matilda. They also have special release beers like the Bull City 312 or the Blackhawks Pale Ale. Goose Island also has two locations that are open and ready to welcome you. You can grab a beer right from their innovation tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1-800 West Fulton, or you can get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 1-800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations, Goose Island Beer Company. Okay, Brendan, uh, getting back to pitching. Let's talk more pitching. Okay. Um, we, you know, we already kind of talked about that that fifth starter spot, thinking about, you know, Adrian Sampson, who will get out there on Saturday, Hayden Wisniewski, uh, who is in that competition, Javier Assad potentially in that competition. So we'll see what that all looks like and, you know, ultimately how the Cubs decide to shake that out. Um, I did want to draw, you know, speaking of our guy, uh, Ryan Herrera, who you can follow on Twitter at Ryan underscore a underscore Herrera. He is our Cubs beat writer for all chgo.com. couple interesting pieces that I wanted to draw your attention to and, and talk about with you, Brendan. Um, I know you and Ryan are working on a Jameson Tyone piece. Uh, so we've heard a lot about this, you know, potential sweeping slider that he's working on and, you know, just what the Cubs are getting in Jameson Tyone. Um, and that piece will be up at allchgo.com soon. Uh, and then on Wednesday, Ryan wrote about some adjustments uh, from Caleb Killian. Uh, so you can check that out at allchgo.com. That's for our diehard members. Uh, but I, I 
I, I wanted to talk about both of those things with you, but starting with Killian, um, he's, you know, I don't want to say he's someone that people have forgotten about, right? But when we look at these prospect lists, he's not on them uh, in the, you know, the top 100 or whatever. And with the control problems that he had to finish out the year last year, we went into the year like so hyped about Caleb Killian and it all went away, right? With how bad those control problems are. <laughs> Um, but there, there seems to be, you know, we saw some video of him throwing live BP this week at Cubs camp, you know, kind of reading, uh, what Ryan is talking about. Like, I I don't know what my expectations are for him, but it, it was a reminder in reading Ryan's piece. Like, this is a really talented guy who was putting up some really strong numbers prior to his command just completely escaping him. And yeah. if he's able to recapture any of that, like it is a, a just another in the name of guys in this kind of long list of, of pitching depth that the Cubs might have at the major league level. Yeah, Killian is the guy that may not have the swing and miss potential, but if he has command, then his stuff does play up. And that was one of his best features when the Cubs traded for him. And I think everyone uh, saw those walk rates around like one and a half batters per nine innings in the minors right when the Cubs got him. And they imagined that would carry over. For me, I imagined that would carry over. So the command issues being so problematic was a huge shock for me. That was among the least of my concerns. My concerns about Killian was, assuming the command is fine, does he have enough ability to get whiffs, to to miss bats, to limit home runs, to limit hard contact? And that ended up not being the concern at all. I I still have a lot of concerns about Killian. Uh, The one silver lining to all of this that we saw last year was his stuff did play up maybe better then some expected, for example, his cutter looked good from a stuff perspective. It rated above league average by about, let's say, 15, 20% higher than your typical average right-hander for his cutter and his curveball. What we didn't see from Killian that we heard a lot about was him working on a changeup. I was disappointed in addition to the command problems last season that he didn't use that changeup that much. We saw when he went off in the AFL leading up to last season, he was using that curveball, he was using the cutter, he was using a changeup, and you kind of got extremely excited. Like This could be a guy who's developing multiple pitch types that already has stellar command, who's throwing 95, 96, 97. Maybe this is someone who's going to develop in a really unpredictable way to be like a top-tier level guy. I don't know if I'm still there given the command issues, given the setbacks that he had last season, and given his lack of comfort translating those changeups he was working on to big league play last year. However, though, you can read about this as a diehard, by the way, Corey, for CHGO. You can read about this uh, in Ryan's conversation with him. He feels comfortable with that changeup now. Like he used to quote uh, trust when he was describing how he feels about it. He also feels better about his mechanics, cleaning up his mechanics, hoping that gets his command back to where it was prior 2022. So if those two things happen... If the cutter continues to move as it does and he continues to to, uh, sustain his velocity, then maybe that hype can return. But a lot has to go right for Killian, I think, for us to deserve, uh, for him to deserve that like level of hype, especially given so many other options right now that the Cubs could use in the starting rotation. Right, in the rotation. And, you know, it it also, uh, you know, brings to mind the conversation of guys like Keegan Thompson and Adbert Alzali starting this season in the bullpen and David Ross making that declaration very early in spring training. And that's not at all to suggest uh, that that's what the Cubs should or will do with Killian. Um, But it is just something that I'm really intrigued with and and interested to see how that develops over the spring and and maybe if we're able to get a better picture of how this bullpen is going to come together and really moreover just how this team is going to get outs. Brendan. Um, 
because you have those guys in this role, and we've seen both of them uh, succeed in it, Keegan more so in the multi-inning thing, um, as Abbott, you know, has kind of shifted roles a lot. Uh, But again, like really in reading the piece about Killian and just sort of thinking about him again, uh, it did just kind of remind me of the, the depth that this this pitching staff is going to have. And we spent a lot of time and, you know, I, I'm, I'm still not, not sure that the, the, the depth has that, you know, real number one ace, like someone who's going to be getting a, a lion's share of the Cy Young votes at the end of the year. Um, you know, maybe some of the tinkering that they're doing with Jamison Tyone, you know, he he unlocks that uh, next gear that, you know, I think he's always had in him. Who knows? We'll see, right? Uh, maybe Justin Steele just keeps getting better, right? John Lester keeps calling him. He has more advice and Justin <laughs> Steele is in the Cy Young conversation. I don't know, right? Um, but I, I think, again, to bring back that quote from David Ross about, you know, uh, the battle not being over when you break camp and it taking a lot more than 26 guys to, to build a successful team and, and win a division or win a championship, uh, there's a lot of names uh, in, on the Cubs pitcher depth chart that I think are going to have a real impact on this season. Uh, and they're not all guys that are going to be getting starts or at least getting regular starts. Yeah, that's going to be, you can look at it two ways, right? The first way is, oh, I wish I had that ace. I wish we weren't talking about depth as the best feature of this rotation. And I understand that. On the other hand, you can look at how the Cubs suffered in the past two seasons, especially at the onset of 2022 with that lack of depth. Remember like in May last year, we couldn't get one pitcher to go past the fifth inning. <laughs> I forgot. I think it was Adrian Sampson who who like was the only pitcher through June or whatever to get past five innings multiple times. So that was a thing. With this team right now, they have several options who can get past five innings, but also if something doesn't work out, there's an injury, whatever, you can substitute someone and spell someone, give someone a chance that can do that, even from your bullpen. If Keegan needs to spot start, I'm sure he can do it for three, four, five innings. Same thing with Alice Alive. Alice needs to go like two innings, three innings. I'm sure like he could start the game and then piggyback off of, you know, whomever, if someone else starts as well to go multiple innings. It's all possible to do this. And I think too, with the defense being so good, it may give David Ross opportunities to use pitchers differently. And what I mean by that is, let's say you have a team that's you know particularly heavy contact oriented against pitches low in the zone right? And you have someone who lives low in the zone, like Adrian Sampson. Okay, you know, maybe Adrian Sampson gets that start that week, given that you have Dansby up the middle, Bellinger up the middle, Nico up the middle, Morrell maybe gets more time at third base with a defensive ability. And then even Killian, Corey, like Killian could easily get called up because Killian, if he has to command, his stuff tends to live better down in the zone, given that cutter, given some of his movement on his fastball. You can imagine too that if you want to just limit hard contact, then you know maybe Killian does get those opportunities. And he also told Ryan that he wants to fill up the zone. He wants to attack the zone more than he did last year. And if that's the case, then that lends well to the Cubs defensive situation and maybe gives Ross more motivation and reason to, to start him more than what we think he'll end up getting. Right. And that that was something, uh, you know, filling up the zone and attacking hitters, throwing strikes was something that uh, Dan Plesak mentioned uh, when we had the opportunity to speak with him on the live show uh, with Cody and Luke on Tuesday when I was in the CHGO studios. And, you know, he was just talking about uh, the confidence that you have as a pitcher on the mound with uh, a strong defense behind you, like we expect Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson to provide. And the ability, you know, that it does give a pitcher, like, I, I can attack the zone, I, I can execute my pitches, and these guys are going to convert that for me. Um, you know, and Dan also talked about some of those guys moving to the bullpen, and that kind of same mentality, right, where it's it's obviously a different type of thinking for someone like Keegan Thompson, where he's not 
planning out his pitches and having to execute pitches and at bats to the same hitters three times or four times over the course yeah. of you know six seven innings it's it's much more condensed and and you can really just focus on you know giving your best stuff and and in 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 times especially if you trust that defense behind you making hitters hit the ball and and you know sort of daring them to do so because you expect it to uh, be turned into an out if you're executing your pitches correctly um so it's it's going to be it's 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 different than we've seen in the past brendan right like we've definitely had some staffs in the time where you and i have covered this team where this was not how this conversation would go right we are not talking about the uh, potential eighth and ninth option at at starting pitcher right um it's, you know, again, like, as you said, like, I think you'd like to be in a position, of course you would, right? It's it's ridiculous to suggest otherwise. Like, you would very much like to have that top Darvish. of rotation. Well, I mean, that's who you're thinking Oh, I of thought you were going to say that. When you okay. say this. I'm thinking, I mean, I guess, you know, his health is in question, but I'm thinking of Jacob DeGrom when I'm talking like this. Um, okay. You'd like to have that guy. Of course you would. It's crazy to suggest that you wouldn't. Uh, but the Cubs don't, Right. And there wasn't a you know particularly easy path to get that unless you wanted to outbid um, the Mets for Justin Verlander or the Texas Rangers for Jacob Degrom, which I don't think the Cubs should have done in either scenario. So uh, this is where the focus is, and I think that they can, I think they can win this way. I, I think they can be successful this way, but it, you're going to be relying on a lot of people. It's going to require a lot of adjustments and a lot of flexibility from David Ross, Tommy Hadovy, and the organization as a whole to, you know, make changes when it's necessary, to get the guys in the right opportunities when it's necessary. And I think that's why we focus so much on guys like Keegan Thompson and Albert Ozzelay, because they did make those decisions, right? Uh, they tried out different things, and they reached a point where they said, we have to we have to act on this. You know, we can't right. just keep trying this experiment or this particular role. We have to pivot a little bit. And, you know, now we're talking about, I don't know, Brendan, like 13 people, you know, like in, in that kind of starter long relief mix. Like it's a lot of moving parts, but I think they can do it successfully. I, I think so, too. And the bullpen becomes even more interesting given that you have those two guys locked down. Okay, now you have Keegan, now you have Alisalai. Now you have Fulmer, signed Boxberger. Those are four guys right there that can conceivably make up a large chunk of your high leverage innings. I'll, it will be interesting to see how they're even used, right? Not only do we know they'll be in the bullpen, but what does Alisalai's role look like? Does he end up being a multi-inning guy? We'll be able to find that out, I think, early on in spring, how Ross uses him. If Ross is using Alisalai just in one-inning spurts, like leading through the middle of March, I'm sure he'll be asked about it. Like, what do you? Th- like, the questions would be, what do you envision him? doing out of the bullpen? Is it being a multi-inning guy? Is it being like a seventh inning, eighth inning fireman type role? And if that's the case, I think Adbear can do it. I think he has the pitches in the mix to do it. And I think he can do it successfully because he might have the ability to be used as a fireman against teams with different types of lineups. Adbear showed six pitch types last season, which is really remarkable given where he was when he debuted in 2019 with just, you know, kind of a heavy curveball that's completely reworked in a four-seam fastball that's also slightly reworked and uh, a changeup that was impressive when he debuted, but also not his dominant pitch type anymore. So a lot of different trends to follow, a lot of different ways you can look at the bullpen and the pitching staff as a whole, but there's just so many storylines within this pitching rotation and this pitching staff that I think you can get excited about it, even though you don't have those lockdown lockdown guys in the back of the bullpen or those top of the rotation guys. And the hope is maybe one does come out of the out of the works to start the season. But then again, if you're a competitive, maybe you can just go trade for someone and get that ace type or that closer type role in June for you know maybe some of your prospects that are playing well. All right. 
Quick break here from our sponsor, Foco Chicago. You've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like Damar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? Foco has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out Foco.com or click Click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Uh, so, Brendan, let's stick with the pitching staff. And one thing I realize that we hadn't really talked about, and when I say we, I mean you as the resident pitch doctor here at CHGO, uh, was the Cubs signing of Michael Fulmer, which they did make official a couple days ago. We've seen him in camp. I think that was before he. it was like officially announced by the team. And a lot of people were like, hey, well, he's here. So <laughs> that, that deal is official. Um, but Coming off uh, a year with a couple teams through about 64 innings in 2022 to the tune of a 3.39 ERA, 2021 through almost 70 innings, 2.97 ERA. Uh, what are the Cubs getting here? And just your general thoughts. Like we we had talked about the rumors that the Cubs wanted to add another reliever. Um, Andrew Chafin went back to uh, the Diamondbacks, a team he is familiar with for a little bit more money uh, than the Cubs signed Fulmer for. So how do, how do you feel about that? How does he fit into all of this? And, you know, I guess just sort of pairing that off of the discussion that we just had about some of the, you know, maybe younger, um, I don't want to call it more interesting options on the Cubs pitching staff, but just how Fulmer fits into that whole mix. The difference between Fulmer and Chafin is purely money, I think. Depending on what estimation you use, you know, some have the Cubs around twenty million free of the luxury tax threshold. Some have them around fifteen million. With Fulmer signing now, that drops down to let's say ten to fifteen million in luxury tax room that you can use at the trade deadline to improve your team and get more relievers or get a better positional player if you need to. With Fulmer, because of that $4 million versus Chafin's $8 million, you can basically just restrict that threshold and that room by doubling it. So instead of having 10 to $15 million in room, now you have 5 to $10 million if you were to sign Chafin. So that's the comparison. Then you start looking at their stuff. You have Fulmer, who may not have the consistent success and the the top-tier success that Chafin had in the past several years, but he's also successful himself. Fulmer, last season, in 67 uh, appearances, almost 64 innings, had a 3.4 ERA. The season before that, almost 70 innings, he had a 3 ERA. His FIPs are around 3.5. He's an above-average reliever. He's someone that... If he continues to put up these types of peripherals on his pitch types, he can be a seventh inning guy. You know, do I see him as a closer right now? He does not get the whiffs that would make the argument for him to close uh, convincing. Now, could he eventually get more whiffs if he changes different pitch types? That's possible. I don't think he has. Well, now that I think about it, maybe he does, but I don't think he has the natural characteristics that lend well to maybe having another pitch to get whiffs. I don't think he has enough time to figure that out given he was just signed and he's probably going to go into like an every second or third day roll out of the bullpen. What he does well is he pitches backwards. He throws a slider cutter. It's basically a cutter around 60% of the time. The pitch grades at about league average, but it's I think that's I think that's air prone that particular grade by Cameron Grove's model. Uh, it's air prone because his pitch type, that particular cutter, few guys have that type of cutter. Um, he throws it really fast, so Fulmer throws it around 90 miles per hour, and he throws what's called a bullet cutter, bullet slider. It has some funky gyro action to it. It has 30% spin efficiency, and it basically comes out like a cement mixer, and then it just kind of just goes straight down. And uh, that pitch, few guys are able to throw 
And with Fulmer, not only can he throw it, but he throws it as his dominant pitch type. So that's why he's been able to be successful, but he doesn't have a put-away pitch. But given that it is his dominant pitch type, what I mean by that is if you look at his strikeout rate, his strikeout rate is basically league average for a bullpen guy. Um, you know, His contact rate is actually better than league average by about two percentage points. So you would think given above average whiffs, you would have an above average strikeout rate, but that's not the case. The thinking is he probably can't finish off batters because he doesn't have a put away pitch. So he may get the whiffs up front, but he may not be able to finish those guys off. And because of that, I don't think he would be the prime candidate for closing games, but he might be the prime candidate given what the Cubs currently have. And he becomes the prime candidate if he develops another breaking pitch. That's difficult to do. I don't think there's a good chance that he's able to do it, but who knows? Maybe he is capable of doing it in a way that Keenan Thompson developed a new slider last year, but I would not count on it. Uh, and so so sometimes uh, when you say certain things, I, I, I think, you know, maybe a, a good portion of the audience knows, uh, but sometimes I just like to clarify for anyone that doesn't. Can you explain Uh-oh. what pitching backwards is? Oh, so uh, he doesn't lead with his fastball. So most guys throw like a fastball over 50% of the time, or like a fastball type, whether it be a two-seamer, four-seamer, whatever, um, as their dominant pitch. Maybe not even 50%, maybe like 40 to 30%. Fulmer throws a cutter 60% of the time. That means pitch uh, batters see his breaking pitch more than his fastball. Um, so everything is set up off of his cutter. That means his fastball plays off of his cutter, whereas most pitchers in the league, their cutters play off their fastball. It's a very different form of pitching that few guys do, but it's been, it's been a trend that's evolving over the years. And we even saw with Hayden Wisniewski, he was pretty successful in some starts because he was pitching backwards because he has that heavy sweeper and that cutter and his four seam doesn't grade that well because it doesn't have that natural carrying action. Got it. That uh, does make sense. Um, yeah, I look, I mean, I, I was more into the Cubs adding another one of these types of relievers, I think, than you were at the time. Um, I, yeah. I think as we've kind of spent a lot of this podcast talking about, I think the depth is good, getting guys with experience. And I, I think when they, uh, you know, they had the MLB network out at camp this week. And I think one of the things that Trey Mancini was talking about was the the different mix of guys, right, who have uh, come from winning clubhouses, some not from winning clubhouses, a mix of veterans, guys hungry to get opportunities, et cetera. Um, and, you know, I think having that mix, particularly in the bullpen and particularly with a pitching staff like we've talked about, where you don't necessarily have those, you know, really like top tier, like elite, elite, elite guys, um, you know, I think this mix is going to be successful for the Cubs. So I think Fulmer fits well into that. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing the the role that he has or uh, exactly how David Ross deploys all this. Last question I have for you uh, before we sign off here. Um, we saw some video on Thursday, I think, of Cody Bellinger going yard. And it was earlier in the week, you and I were joking uh, about the uh, Dodgers writers doing something that you and I spent a lot of time doing, which was watching Jason Hayward hit in spring training and obsessing over his hand position, things like that, because I think he hit a home run off Tony Gonsolin. So my my question to you is, what do you think is more likely? They're very different players, and I think this answer definitely skews to the Cubs, but more likely that the Cubs fix Cody Bellinger or the Dodgers fix Jason Hayward. I saw a video of Hayward, not to bash him, (laughs) but it looks exactly the same, dude. I, I, I think they, they – I can't even do this. You, you, if, you're, if you're new, if you're listening to Brendan and I from the start of CHGO, um, Brendan and I have spent so much time previously on our podcast and in writing and in, in tweets breaking down Jason Hayward's swing. Um, there, there may have been nobody in the world more optimistic than, than us uh, about his potential changes and the slight – you know, his hands moved by a centimeter, right? Um, 
so I was about to discuss what I saw in that Dodger video, but I, I really you, just can't even bring myself I, to do I know it. you were. I know you were. <laughs> we and did it so you, much. I we believe so much, Brendan, every year. <laughs> we did. But it, it, seriously, like if you want to compare who's most likely, Bellinger's 27 years old. So age alone is going to give him the advantage. He also actually, you know, had the ability to hit over 45 home runs when he won his MVP year. Of course, you give it to Bellinger. So, yeah. I mean, I listen, I, I like Hayward. He was integral for that era. Nothing but the best, right? But the odds of him turning it around at this stage of his career, they're pretty low. Maybe it happens. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't. But for Bellinger, 27, it is possible. I would not bet on both of them, though. Maybe DraftKings and do like a prop bet, like who's most likely to turn it around. But given just the severe extreme struggles from both those guys, sure. you can't confidently say, oh, yeah, this is for sure going to happen. Although, if you want to dream and estimate which one's more likely, yeah, you would have to go with Bellinger. Yeah. Uh, and he's getting, he's well, getting it, paid it, it, because a, of that, too. It's a loaded question, right? Like, Hayward yeah. is 34. Bellinger is not. And, and, he, Bellinger's and Bellinger got peak, 20 mil guaranteed, too. Yeah, like, Bellinger's peak is much better than Jason Hayward. So it's it's a loaded question that I asked intentionally because I thought it was funny. Some um, some you know some people do think that Hayward could turn it around though. You read some of those um, Well, and and you know part of asking the question though and when we talk about Rios and Bellinger in particular, right, is that the reason you ask a question like that is because if there's anybody that can figure it out, it seems to be the Dodgers, right? In my opinion, as you said, wishing Hayward well always. But I don't think there's anybody that can figure that out to the point that it's, you know, uh, a worthwhile you know, exercise. It's, it's funny that we're talking about this. We have McKinstry from L.A., we have yeah. Rios from L.A., and we have Bellinger from L.A. We have, yeah. like, their, their, like, you know, their projects that ended up not working. Right. And, you know, like I said, and I brought this up earlier, it does get up brought, brought up all the time. Like, if the Dodgers couldn't unlock this because they have proven pretty successfully to have a knack for this type of stuff— what makes you think the Cubs can, right? Uh, the Cubs, you know, do have Dustin Kelly, who has some experience with some of these guys. Uh, so, you know, that factors into it. Um, but yeah, that that's that's why I brought it up. Uh, and, you know, it, w- it would be the, the cruel outcome for all of us. Don't even uh, hint at that. That they could figure it out, right? <laughs> they're not going to. That. Come on. Like, of course they're not going to. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. And now I'm, you know, like, oh, I just can't, I can't, I can't deal with it if he ends up uh, turning it around. I hope he, you know, I hope nothing but the best for him, but it would, it would hurt that we're paying him 23 million and he ends up like, you know, being a, a league average hitter. We'll see. No way. <laughs> there's, there's just no chance that that happens. I watched enough of it. There, there's no secret that's fixing that. I'm but sorry. you know, every time we bring up Hayward in the past seven years, whenever we do this, he does a complete opposite. I feel like whenever we, you can call it bashing on Hayward or whatever you want, the next day, home run. He always right. does this, right? So it would make perfect sense for him to turn it around following this type of conversation. <sighs> so we're jinxing yeah. it, you know? Well, I, and really, I just asked the question because it, you sort of see the fan bases. Um, Again, to clarify, yeah, the question I mean, was asked I mean. in jest. The answer is Cody Bellinger, and I think there's a real shot of that. The other, there's no shot. You can, I'm happy to be on record if I'm wrong about that. That's fine. Hayward's not figuring it out. I'm sure of it. Uh, but when you see both both of the, the BP homers and stuff like that, it's the same reaction, right, from either fan base, right? where they're like, oh, you know, what if they figured it out? Like, what if they unlocked it? You know, the Dodgers figured it out how to Hayward. The Cubs figured out Bellinger. So I, I just thought it was funny that they're, you know, kind of doing, you know, it was like the same reaction a couple days apart from the different yeah. fan base. Well, I mean, it's like our reaction when Nick Magical hits a ball to the warning track. It's like, whoa, look at that. Uh, right. <laughs> when did that, did I miss when that happened or... No, <laughs> that's it's a rarity. That's why it's so impressive. I'm rooting for the guy. I want I, I I want all the Cubs to be successful and good. I just don't think that that's going to happen. So, um, we'll how about that for a question? Which is more likely, Jason Hayward Ooh. figures it out for the Dodgers, or Nick Madrigal is an everyday Ooh. starter for the Cubs? Not because whoa, the Cubs whoa, whoa, are forcing whoa, whoa, it, but whoa, because he's whoa. you know he's deserved it. That's that you know you went a direction I did not think you were going i 
about who's most likely to turn around not starting for the Cubs. Don't even, don't even put that on me. Don't even put that on my brain. I don't want to hate Nick Madrigal. I like he seems like a very nice guy. I like him. He does. But you seem know like what? A very nice guy. He yeah. does. I don't want to hate him. I can't, Corey. I can't do this again with these infielders. I just cannot do it. Please, for the love of God, don't make me hate this guy. David Ross, challenge <laughs> accepted. Yeah. Don't. Um. Anyway, getting off the rails here, as sometimes we do. Uh, but again, want to uh, direct your attention to all the work that our guy Ryan Herrera did while he was out in Arizona. Um, the articles over at allchgo.com, in particular, uh, his Killian piece that went up this week, and then the coming Jameson Tyone piece uh, that Brendan will have a hand in. Um, he's also been doing uh, some quick hits on social media, top three things uh, that he saw or you know that was going on that day, if you follow the CHGO Cubs account on Twitter. Uh, so really good stuff from our guy Ryan Herrera out in spring training at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera on Twitter. So be sure you're following him and catching up on all his articles at allchgo.com. Live shows back at 120 starting again next week. Uh, Luke and Cody will be back with you. I believe Ryan will be back in studio at some point soon. Uh, Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday, and we will have actual baseball games and box scores and results and pitching lines and all of that good stuff to discuss uh, from by that point what will be a you know, sort of full week of Chicago Cubs baseball um, in exhibition style. So looking forward to that. As always, we appreciate your guys' support for everything going on at CHGO. And of course, the CHGO Cubs team. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook. Thank you, as always, for listening and for your support. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs! Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.